You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. Here's Carr. Good protection. Out and able to complete to Ryan Grant. Carr looking left and throwing, and there he is, Darren Waller. Here's Carr. Broncos rush for it. So pressure. Simpson in there, and it's caught. It's Tyrell Williams. And the Raiders strike first. All sorts of time. Hell yeah. What is up, nation? It's a lovely morning today. Tuesday morning after waking up. Uh, our boys doing exactly what I thought they would do. Doing exactly what we expected them to do. Through all the alleged drama to what we were facing, this defense and everything, good job. But I saw that one coming, and that's what we expected to happen last night. And pretty much to a T is exactly how it went. Great performance by the Raiders last night. Solid, strong, strong performance last night from the team. And strong performance last night from the crowd. We all know that this is the last Monday night primetime game at the Coliseum. And uh, Raider fans showed what we're all about to the rest of the world. Of course, they already know. But watch and be jealous. The offense was crisp, led by the excellence of execution there. Derek Carr. Defense looked good, stuffing the run like I thought they would. We're going to all that a little later. Um, happily go over what happened in last night's game a little later on. And there's a lot of people out there that thought that Denver Broncos team with that defense was just going to roll in here, steamroll and punk Derek Carr and that offense, and get out and overmatch and outclassed out of his depth coach, John Gruden. You know, game is passed him by type deal. Although Fangio is getting his first start at 61. And uh, he doesn't like music at the practices. Which is, you know, a pretty modern thing for about 20 years. People out there don't think very much of this football team. And I can't understand why. They did exactly what I thought they would do last night. The Broncos weren't going to come in here and do anything to this Raiders team. We ain't going to miss an opportunity to punch the Broncos in the mouth. They are the most hated of the most hated for a reason. There's three categories for Raider fans. There's hated, which is, you know, about 26, 28 of the NFL teams. Then there's the most hated, which is Chiefs, Chargers, throw the Patriots in there, Steelers. And then there's the most hated of the most hated, and that's the Denver Broncos. I didn't choose that. Just some reason hate them the most. Maybe it's a, I think it's a combination of, you know, the organization, the arrogance of the organization. Uh, the fans are really annoying. And having to look at John Elway's melting face every week, I guess, would be the reason why. I mean, my favorite profile pics that I have are of Darth Vader holding up a donkey head. And Shannon Sharp in a Raider hat. And I feel I hate the Chiefs and Chargers just as much, but just feels like there's just a little bit extra for the Broncos so I don't know who thought the Broncos Joe Flacco Philip Lindsay were gonna come in here and just punk the Raiders I don't know who thought that but man 
A lot of experts thought that, let's be honest. And shit, they should have a different job because they're not good at predicting games or this team. Now, Philip Lindsay, he really annoys me. And I think, I think it's because, well, one little observation. He looks like a mini Kaepernick. Anyone ever notice that? That's not why I don't like him. I don't like him because I think he's a fraud as a running back. Um, I think last year he gained his, he built his resume off a of bad Raider and Chiefs defenses, and was able to, you know, sneak just past a thousand yards and make it to the Pro Bowl. I I think Philip Lindsay's living, you know, a, a dream re, a dream life last year, and I think he's in for a rude wake up. When reality hits him this year, because I don't think he's going to hit thousand yards. And speaking of John Elway on the sidelines, a lot of you younger Raider fans only know him as the GM that's built this Broncos team. But I grew up in the '80s as a Raider fan, um, LA Raiders, and John Elway was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos at the time. We all know that, um, and he is a great quarterback. Many years of my childhood were spent heartbroken from a last second John Elway comeback either a field goal or whatever to beat the Raiders it was it happened twice a year you know it was so you know I really don't like that guy it was a special place in my heart as far as I hate the hell out of you and I can't stand seeing your face every day still why don't you just go away so but that's also you know, there's respect rooted in that for what John Elway did. But, you know, as far as terrorizing me since my youth and being an annoyance and a nuisance and a nemesis, that is, you know, that's John Elway. As he continues to put, you know, put a thorn in the Raiders' side throughout these years while his face melts off. So it's especially good to stick it to that guy and like to see him on camera at the end of the game walking off the field. That was a little sweet, too. He knew. He was pissed. You can see it on his face. Okay, so let's take a look at the game. Raiders win 24-16. Someone just checking the box scores or whatever. We'll see that. You know, it's a one-score game. It really wasn't that close. Raiders were in control the entire game. Uh, both sides, offense and defensive lines, were dominating the Broncos. And uh, the only time the Broncos got anything going was when it seemed the Raiders let up or made a mistake, or when the referees came in with their patented phantom penalty call. Now this is something that no other team has to deal with, the, this referee thing. And I forget about it every game when I'm reviewing who's coming up or who we're playing, and how we're matching up. I forget about the referee factor. And once the game starts, there'll be a phantom call will come in, and I'll be like, oh, I forgot. We got to deal with these, these, these referees, these referee, this biased referee treatment. Of course, I would love that final to be, you know, a little bigger. Um, of course, we would have liked it to have been forty to three, you know. But a win's a win. Very happy about it. So let's dig deeper into the offensive side of things. You know, Derek Carr. Uh, what can I say? Great performance. I expected it. I expected Derek Carr to come to that line, making the adjustments, making the calls, getting everyone set up wherever they need to go, get the play right, the defense that was in front of them. And Derek Carr last night was the excellence of execution. 
he, he played beautifully just like I thought he could, just like I thought he would. Carr looked comfortable and in command. In that pocket, he looked very comfortable. Finishing the night 22-26. I mean, that's 26 passes thrown with only four incompletions, which, you know, I've got to tell you, that's amazing. But Derek Carr looks like he's on the next level right now. He looks like he's taking that step. He's taking that next step. And this is what I've been trying to tell people. Meanwhile, the media is out there saying that, you know, Gruden's looking to trade him or get rid of him every chance he gets. In fact, looking at lining up for next year's draft to get Tugavailoa or Justin Hebert. I don't understand how these people are professionals at this. These are, you know, far outside, unoriginal opinions on this football team. These guys don't know this team. Those guys out there in the national media will talk in a tone that they like they know what they're talking about, but they don't know anything about this team. They don't have their finger on the pulse of this team. So Derek Carr, fantastic. Um, touchdown, no interceptions, over 10 yards in attempt. Uh, great. It was awesome. And to actually see it out there, you know, you pre you pre you think it's going to go a certain way, and to actually see it going that way, it just it's just a good feeling to, to see your team do what you know they can do. It's a really good feeling to see that out there. And to see the beginning of Carr turning this narrative around. It started last night. Carr wasn't panicked. There was a few times he moved around in that pocket. There was a time when no one was open. He took off scrambling. To me, this is a perfect game from Derek Carr. I mean, he had a couple tipped passes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see a touchdown or two more, but as far as quarterbacking a team to a victory over a very good defense, this was a perfectly executed game by Derek Carr. He is the excellence of execution. The really most impressed I was last night, the most impressive unit to me last night, was the offensive line. I felt we upgraded at right tackle for sure. I mean, everyone knows that. And I, I felt Colton Miller, I wouldn't put the expectations on the low side. I said he would be serviceable. At the very least, he would be serviceable. But I don't want to get my expectations raised and be disappointed. And um, Colton Miller was far more than serviceable. He looks really good on that left side. We had two replacement guards in there who played well. There were some false starts at the beginning. And then, but when I saw those false starts at the beginning, I, I thought to myself, shit, you know, if, if that's from not playing in the preseason right there, and then take a minute there to get that out of the system. But the backup guards played extremely well. And Denver is going to have a tough run defense. They are. But we stuck to it, and we're able to grind out over 100 yards over those guys, on those guys. And more importantly, the pass protection was tremendous. And there's so many times Derek Carr was in there in a beautifully, in a beautiful pocket, just nestled around him. You know, he had a nice open area to throw from. He was in no danger of pressure. He wasn't feeling any pressure. Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb never made it to the quarterback last night. Not once. I don't even know if Vaughn Miller got a pressure. Trent Brown ate him alive last night. And all respect to Vaughn Miller. That's a, you know, top two or three defensive the edge rusher there. And so it's very impressive what this offensive line was able to do to this Denver defensive pass rush. No one expected that. 
Not one person out there expected the Raiders to dominate this defensive line. And then you hand the ball to Josh Jacobs. That is a young, impressive rookie, friends. I don't know if you guys realize this, but we have a Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott type back in our backfield. And it's only been a game, I know. But hey, I was singing his praises after seeing three carries versus the Arizona Cardinals in the preseason. You can see the talent there. And last night, you got a nice, you know, a nice sample size of what this kid's going to be able to do. His running style is it's a combination of things. It's, it's excellent. He can hit the hole fast. He can hit the hole, one cut it, cut back lanes, whatever. He can hit the hole and hesitate and wiggle his way through. He could do everything as a running back. There are a few times Josh Jacobs hit that hole and there was a wall there and he'd wiggle around. Next thing you know, he's getting at least, you know, two, three, four yards out of it. And man, is he a tough runner. He is tough to bring down. We know about his patch catching ability. He had a great catch out of the backfield. He's going to have games where he catches more passes out of the backfield for sure, and the offensive line is going to love him. And uh, speaking of the line, the offensive line coach, Tom Cable. And so and Tom Cable's been taking some heat as well. It's time to, you know, give Tom Cable some credit. As far as the coaching staff, I felt the weakest link on that staff was Tom Cable. His offensive lines, let's face it, I mean, the proof is there. As far as grades, they didn't grade out very well. He's never developed something. Developed, you know, a great line. His last years in Seattle, the biggest teller for me was when he left Seattle. And the year after, that offensive line became a run-blocking beast of a line. And that was like a, you know, that's kind of a red flag. But what Tom Cable's been done so far this preseason in this first game, they've looked fundamentally sound. And they've looked great. And that's what the backup's in. So when this starting offensive line got his chance to get out there, man, they were dominant. They're impressive. They look really good. They also gave time for Carr to pass to our new receivers. And I think it's a better receiving core than it was at any point last year. And that's not really a hard, um, that's not hard to accomplish. But we have solid, good skill set receivers. And as far as the number one, Tyrell Williams, He's a deserved number one. He's waiting for his chance to be a number one. He believes he can be one. I believe he can be one. When you have the size, speed, and he can run routes very well, I mean, those are all combinations going to make for a number one wide receiver. Super coachable. And we talk about, you know, I want to talk about that with Josh Jacobs. He, Josh Jacobs is a kid that he doesn't like the spotlight. And... You know, I saw an observation, which was, you know, very astute in my opinion. They they see him looking like not happy, like not wanting to be around, much like Amari Cooper was. Um, at first, you know, when Amari Cooper was a Raider, there's a lot of pictures the guy wasn't smiling and he didn't look happy. And we just, you know, write it off as, you know, he's just a quiet kid. That's, that's what he is. That's how he is. Um... But his body language did tell that story, and eventually his play did too. Then when he goes to Dallas, you find out that, yeah, that's how he felt. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be a Raider. 
and someone had made the comment, that, oh, another kid out of Alabama who's quiet, who doesn't want to be there. Josh Jacobs is a quiet kid. He doesn't want he doesn't want any spotlight. He doesn't want any cameras on him. But that's it. He has a quiet misdemeanor. They both come from Alabama. That's where the comparisons end right there. Josh Jacobs scored his second touchdown. He ran jumped right into that black hole and got all that love. Because with Raider fans it's real easy. If you Raider fans are loyal and they're the greatest fans in the world. If you return that loyalty, then you'll be Raider royalty to the day you die. And Josh Jacobs does strike me as quiet, but he also strikes me as wanting to be on this team. And when you're the centerpiece at running back, why would you Why would you be unhappy? You know, there's no reason. He's getting all the encouragement. He's getting all the belief he needs. And he's in a good system, well coached. He is anti um, what some people are in this league with and he does not want meaning he wants zero attention he doesn't want any attention at all he just want to put his head down and work as hard as he can and sacrifice whatever he can to make this thing happen and that's all you can ask for in a player on your football team sometimes we you know we take it for granted you know something as simple as that but it's good to see that that's what Josh Jacobs is about. So Tyrell Williams gets his gets 100 yards and touchdown, which uh, I'm happy for him. I want him to get his stats. And the rest of the receiving core, you have Ryan Grant there. You have J.J. Nelson, which I don't know what happened to J.J. Nelson. I didn't think I seen him much. And Hunter Renfro, those guys are doing their thing out there. The thing about it is there's little opportunity to take the top off a of defense like this with Fangio. And the opportunities that were there, Derek Carr took advantage of them every single time. I told you that deep ball was beautiful. And there it was on full display. I'm telling you guys, it's going to be a return to form for Derek Carr. All the doubters, you're going to regret that. And then the play's called. I mean, Gruden, he has some gems in that playbook, man. Some great plays. But also there's the other side of Gruden. He... When it's time to get some conservative, man, he is to the T, 1970s conservative, running three times and punt when you have the lead type deal. So that was a little frustrating, but he's got his pulse on, he knows what's going on, you know, he knows how this game's flowing, he's managing it, and trusting his team to take care of their, putting them in position to get the job done. What's funny is all these people out here said that Gruden can't coach anymore, you know, that needs a gimmick that that stuff don't work anymore Gruden's showing that he's still a great coach that he's one of the great coaches in this league his play calling was excellent this team with all the distractions it had came in laser focused and Gruden deserves all the credit in the world for that because we're building a team of team you know building a team of actual team players People that care for each other, that will work and sacrifice for each other. And that was step one. And bringing this group together and focusing them, it's been an excellent job by John Gruden. As usual, he doesn't get enough credit because it's easier for people to try to make fun of him because they have nothing to say and they have nothing to contribute. But in my opinion, Gruden never lost it. In fact, that hiatus, that 10-year hiatus, was to make him a better coach. When you have access 
to every team in the league exactly what they're doing, their practices, how they practice, you're connected right there with the football team the entire way. You know, you're connected to the NFL still. You're just, you're a part of it. You're just as much a part of it, maybe even more than you were as a head coach because you're seeing how everyone does things. You're seeing their ideas. You're seeing anything innovative and new that you might think about, you might want to implement, see if it even works. You're looking at plays. You're adding philosophies. You're, you're adding, um, you know, different concepts the entire time. It's like a great study of NFL football coaching is what he did for the past 10 years. And someone like Gruden, he wasn't coaching, but he found a way to coach, didn't he? He found a way to still do what a coach does, look at plays, you know, evaluate quarterbacks, players, go out there and run some drills with them. He still found a way to do that. That's because of the passion of coaching for him. The passion of this game is still strong, very strong. It hasn't gone away. That fire hasn't gone away at all. It was a reinvention for John Gruden all this time off. It was a, a time to look back, take, strip it all down, take a look at everything, where we're going, what we know, and where we're going to take it, where the future of this thing's going. He just went deeper into coaching training. And those out there who don't think Gruden's a very good coach, you should lose your jobs. Your opinion holds no value when I know more than you, and I think I could do your job better than you do it. A lot of you want to compare it to the situation with Joe Gibbs, which is a lazy hack job by you. Be better. And I can't stand people that just blurt out opinions with no research, no actual factual anything. Joe Gibbs left the Washington Redskins. Um, I believe after he won a Super Bowl. That doesn't matter. He left um, and created his own NASCAR racing team, Joe Gibbs Racing. He went into a completely different sport. He owned a team. His 100%, his 110% attention and dedication is to that endeavor. He is completely away and out of football. In fact, distracted by something completely different. He has no time. They'll take all his attention and time away from anything else. Joe Gibbs wasn't on sidelines. He wasn't still connected to the game, talking to coaches, seeing new coaches come in, studying practices, seeing the advancements. You know, iTabs, or what, iPads, whatever you want to call them. Uh, things like that. The technology has come up. Gruden likes to play the media and say he doesn't believe in analytics, but he uses plenty of analytics in what he's doing. His setup, he's got 17 screens around him in his office. You can tell me this guy's, he's not back there with a pad and pencil. You know what I mean? and a rotary telephone. So when he transitioned back in, it was smooth, and he brought in new ideas and modernized, you know, brought some modern ideas that, that he believed in. Anything that works, Gruden will use, no matter if it's old or no. In comparison to Joe Gibbs, who, uh, you know, was building his racing team during those years, he was out of the NFL. Uh, but when he came back, you got a guy that was completely detached from the game. You know, from what the game he had left seven, eight years ago was completely changed. And he wasn't there to see these changes. He wasn't there to even, you know, notice these things. When Joe Gibbs came back, when he left coaching, he left it exactly how he knew it. And when he came back, he picked up on exactly how he knew what he knew. Not, not thinking about any of the other advancements or the simplest things such as a headphone. Most coaches these days, 
or when he came back, when Joe Gibbs came back, the coaches using a lot of the headsets and headphones with communication. It's just much faster, easier. Joe Gibbs uh, didn't do that. He, he had to adjust to that. And when you come in on the outside and you don't even know that the technological advancement of using headsets, I mean, come on. It's not even in the same league. It's, it's a completely different situation. Gruden is ready. Gruden's been, he's like a guy locked up in a prison thinking about his grand plan and when he gets out, how he's going to make everyone pay. That's what it feels like. He's been obsessed in studying this thing the whole time he's been away. He has not really been away. So when Gruden comes in, he's going to hit the ground running, and I expect him to be just as good as any of the best coaches we have in this league. Year, last year, we didn't have the pieces. And obviously, uh, stripped the roster down last year. So honestly, with the kind of players we want in here and the kind of talent and skill level, um, just a natural improvement overall the skill level on the team, this is really where he gets his start. Now, he stripped down the roster last year prepared it for this year this is like the first year of John Gruden's return and this is more this in my opinion is a more accurate barometer of, of what kind of coach and what kind of team John Gruden's going to put out on the football field John Gruden is just as good as the best brightest coaches we have today in this game going out on the football field against uh, Belichick Andy Reid Doug Peterson Sean McVay Sean Peyton, John Harbaugh, any of those great coaches. I'll take Gruden with tremendous confidence uh, going up against any of those coaches. Let's put that theory to bed. The game has not passed John Gruden by. He's not just a maniac out there, you know, contorting his face. He's very much one of the top NFL coaches in this game. And you have to have a staff behind you. And that's a beautiful thing. Pauly G... It all starts on defense with the defensive coordinator. Paul Gunther is one of the top defensive coordinators in the league. A high-quality hire. I expect the run defense to be solid. And last night, it was very solid. What I thought was going to happen, happened in that first half. 15 yards rushing for the Broncos. Phillip Lindsay wasn't doing anything. Just like a, he, he is who I thought he was. Same with Royce Freeman. First half, they got dominated. They got dominated. 15 yards rushing. I knew what this defense is capable of. They are capable of that. Defense um, did let Cortland Sutton get loose a little bit, but that guy's got some talent. For the most part, Flacco was back there. When he went back to pass, there was pressure coming. There was plenty of pressure coming at Flacco last night. And there were times he didn't have anyone. There were plenty of times there was no one open. The coverage was good. It's a very encouraging sign. The run defense was great. Now, only issue is, I don't know what happened in the second half, um, but what it seemed like is we knew the Broncos were going to come out in the third quarter, beginning of the third quarter, being down 14-3. to They're going to come out with a little extra energy. They're going to try harder, be a little more focused. I expected the Raiders to maintain that. And after halftime, they came out like half asleep. Like Gruden just said, here, just uh, you know, we're going to scale it back. We're going preseason style. And we're going to go vanilla, and I don't know what happened, but that was the one disappointing thing of the night. When the team came out, they weren't fired, you know, they lost their energy. They were sleepwalking through the rest of the game. And the big injury to Garyon Conley just shows what kind of cornerback Garyon Conley is. 
Um, it was a very scary moment, but it turns out it looks like he's going to be okay. It's just precautions, which is fine. Um, can't be too safe when it comes to a neck injury, right? But he was doing a fantastic job. Gary Conley gets injured. He's covering Emmanuel Sanders the whole night. He gets injured. He goes out. Emmanuel Sanders starts going off. He was he was in complete check by Conley until that point. So you bring in Trayvon Mullen, and he gets burned real easy in that easy touchdown cast. That was too easy. But that's going to be experience for Mullen. Little, hey, welcome to the NFL. This is, and he got torched pretty good. But let's hope that doesn't shatter his confidence or anything. Um, I know he didn't allow a touchdown in this, whatever, the ACC. He uh, didn't allow a catch. Uh, well, he allowed some catches and a touchdown last night. But that's just a little bonus experience for him. Uh, he's not supposed to be in the lineup right now as a starter. And good news is, I think Gary Conley will be fine. Even if they give him an extra week just to take you know extra precautions. And <laughs> it's kind of a bad week to throw a rookie into the fire but we'll get to that later in the week so I was disappointed in the second half my thing is for this defense whenever a team runs a ball you can't let them run the ball that's a sign to me of a great defense and it all fell in according to plan you don't give Flacco a running game he's really you know incapable of doing anything else and got to him three times multiple pressures all night long and actually sacked him three times. It would have been more if it weren't some phantom BS calls by the refs. So the formula for shutting down that team was executed perfectly in the first half. In the second half, um, I really it just feels like they just took the foot off the gas. And I can't understand why. Mess with everything. It's a work in progress. This is week one. You have some young, inexperienced players. They're just going to continue to get better with the experience they're getting. Every game. There's going to be improvement every week from this team. And they gave up, you know, a ton of yards rushing in the second half. Uh, I look for the team. I want this team. I expect this team. The goal is going to be to hold teams under 100 yards rushing. That's the goal. We could have accomplished that last night easily. Something they let off in the second half. And that's when Denver's, you know, air quotes offense started getting a little traction. But as usual, people don't want to give credit to the what the Raiders you know made the Broncos do the offense let's not doubt what Big Bang is we're gonna you know assume with a pretty good accuracy that the Denver defense is going to be good that they are good now the Raiders had to pick apart they had to do quick passes and they had to have the running game to move the ball on this defense and they were able to do that they were able to manipulate this defense the play calling had Vic Fangio confused. This this the offense is so versatile that the defense didn't know what when it was executed perfectly like it was, the defense don't know what's coming at them, no matter how good they are. That is an excellent sign. I like the comment from Derek Wolf, the defensive end of the Denver Broncos. He's a he's a pretty good player on that defense. Guy I respect, tough guy, undrafted, made his way on the team to be a damn fine defensive end and uh, his comments about the Raiders offense uh, grab it throw it grab it throw it grab it and throw it then bring a tight end in as an or bring a lineman in as an extra tight end and run it it's a tough offense 
that is, you know, as, as about as much respect as you can get um, from a defense towards an offense. It is a tough offense to deal with. And, you know, the rest of the NFL is going to find that out as we go along here. Defensively, they did what I hoped they would do. I just hoped they would have done it a little better, a little more, you know. But I can't be, I can't be dissatisfied with the performance or disappointed in the performance of the defense. They played great. Special teams, Daniel Carlson does what Daniel Carlson does. Uh, A.J. Cole in his first game as a punter, although he's shown tremendous skill at getting the ball inside the 20 and booming it when he has to, uh, he had a rough first game last night. Hit one into the end zone, kind of shanked one punt, but it's his first ever NFL game. Uh, I'm confident that he's going to be fine. He's going to improve. And that's the other part that makes, you know, the thing that really makes this team solid all the way through is the kind of players you got in there, but also the coaching staff you have in there. These are high-quality coaches. When Jack Del Rio was here, he had a, he started off with a veteran offensive coordinator, and it worked very well for the Raiders. And then he decided to let that guy go and give the job to someone who had never been an offensive coordinator. And he kind of did something similar on the defensive side of things by letting Ken Norton Jr., become a defensive coordinator for the first time in his career. Those two, as coordinators and Jack Dario, led us to where we're at now. Well, led us to last year. And uh, it's very important. I, I can't understand why he didn't get more quality in his coordinators, uh, more experience. But he, that's what he did, and, and the results were there. Defensively, I could never understand. I can never figure it out. You have... Jack Del Rio is a defensive coach. Ken Norton came from Seattle. He knows good defense, and he was a defensive coordinator. There's no reason that thing should have went as bad as it did. And to this day, it's still affecting this football team. We're just getting over the dregs of that, starting to turn it around. Uh, but that's what quality coaching does. So things went as I expected. Um, this team is good. This team has some talent, and I expect them to contend for a playoff spot. Everyone else is sleeping on them. Uh, maybe I'm a little high off the victory last night. Could be. But I think I know what I'm seeing out of this team. It's a tremendous start to the season, but this is just the beginning. You know, it's all business from here on out. We have a mission. We have a goal. Everyone else thinks we're just, you know, running in, running in place over here. The goal is the playoffs. The goal is to beat every team in front of us. And we got off to a great start. Good a start as you can get. Exactly what we want. And now we got a really tough thing, really tough game coming in with the Chiefs. I mean, uh, that's the first game I watched, you know, on, on Sunday. And they just, Jacksonville is not the Miami Dolphins or, you know, the Chiefs of the past with their defense. Jacksonville is one of the top, most physical defenses with great cornerbacks to cover these you know, crazy wide receivers the Chiefs have. They absolutely toyed and did whatever they wanted with that Jacksonville team. Well, a preview of that game, um, but just right off the bat, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a shootout. What, what the Chiefs were able to do, there's so many people wide open in whatever they're doing. Um, it's just, you know, I have to face that reality. I'm probably going to have to have to shoot out to keep up. The Chargers, I expected a tough game from the Colts. Andrew Luck isn't the whole franchise there. 
Um, you have Jacoby Brissett as a backup. Most importantly, you have Frank Reich as a head coach. He's the one really turning this thing around. Even though Andrew Luck is gone, you still have a very, very good playoff contending team in the Indianapolis Colts. And it took them a while to get going, and I expected them to play the Chiefs or the uh, Chargers tough. In the beginning, it didn't look like that, but it ended like that. They're still a tough team. Um, no, not much out of expectation on that. Those are two good teams. Um, two good teams in our division. They're going to have to conquer the Chargers and the Chiefs. But a little perspective. Um, there was a rookie head coach we were facing, and I don't think and didn't expect Vic Fangio's offense to light up the league at 50 points a game anyway. So in my eyes, that's an expected victory a much tougher opponent next week. The grind continues. Our boys will be ready. So in review, what was said would happen. Josh Jacobs would be an X-Factor, and he was. Uh, but there's other X-Factors too. Said the O-line had to perform well, and they dominated. Had to stop the run, and we did for half. When we did those things, we owned the Broncos. We got something special, Bruin Nation. That's all I got for today. Thank you for listening. It's a beautiful start, Raider Nation. Let's keep it going. Let's keep that momentum rolling for the Chiefs. Um, any comments you guys got, please send them. I'm listening, and once again, I, I appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. And uh, let's go. Only one nation, baby. I'll see you guys next time.